Oh, God, thank you very much. Admonition number one in Sashin guidelines, as our Eno read this morning, be silent, still, and awake. Be silent, still, and awake. Sashin is a time to diligently gather the mind and body in present moment awareness. It is an opportunity to discover anew, clarify, and actualize our deepest intention. Let's support one another by maintaining silence throughout the day. I'm wondering if those words may sound just slightly different after now having sat one, two, three periods, four periods of Zazen together. Everybody in this room came, well, almost everybody. <laughs> Uh, except one, but came uh, first thing in the morning, and we've we're we're sitting together. The word literally seshin or seshin, different people pronounce shin or sheen differently. That word means mind heart in Japanese. Same word, mind heart. Se is to gather. So this is literally the practice of gathering the mind and heart in present open awareness. And I wanted to just say one practical thing before talking about the uh, Mountains and Water Sutra, Sansuikyo by Dogen Zenji, and that is about maintaining silence. So I have been adding a little extra words. You've probably noticed I've been announcing the different activities before they happen. But I'm going to stop doing that now because you all are sufficiently oriented and you probably know, but if you don't, the cue to what comes next is always given by the doan at the end of the zazen period. If the doan rings the bell twice, that means walking meditation. And as you know here, we're invited to do it inside or out. And if the doan rings the bell once after doan, that's something else, service, lecture, or a break. So we can tune our bodies to the body of the bell and the body of the doan, and this way we can maintain our silence together. Um, I also know that Eno did a little bit of training in the first exercise break. Thank you all, Eno and Roll people. And so now we don't need to talk to give instructions because everybody has received their instructions. So now we get to take a little turning after this lecture and deepen our silence together. Deepen our silence together. And this is one of the, in my views, great gifts of this practice. How often do we join with others to be silent? So that's for the next day and a half. That's our opportunity to support each other in that way by not, not talking and not reading 
and not writing. No words. Open our uh, consciousness to this realm that is beyond words. As much as we love words, it's also beautiful to love not words. So I think we're going to be able to do that now. Of course, if you have an emergency or you need something, you can always go whisper or write a note. Actually, if you want to really maintain the silence with the Eno, I will also be offering Dokusan the opportunity to sit one-on-one -on -one in the little room there. I think we'll have to wear our masks since we have a lot of people in and out. I put up a sign-up sheet, so we will talk in there. But other than that, please join me and support me. I love to talk. Support me in um, practicing this uh, silent, still, and awake gift that we have. Also, of course, Sashin ends at five each day, so we'll be going home. Maybe some of you are going to go out into the world, and so you'll have to be appropriate in terms of words. Sometimes the people who aren't sitting need words, or we need words with them. But it's also possible to practice as much stillness as possible. And this is a, this is a deep gift to the world those who can actually maintain silence within out in the busy world is a gift to the busy world the world feels it the world responds to it maybe you've experienced that before when you're moving through time and space and with others and you're actually practicing maintaining a stillness if you have never done it try it and see how that feels highly recommended um, also a support that I appreciate from you, because that's a hard thing for me as much as I value it. So about three years ago, I got the idea that uh, because I like mountains and waters, that it would be a good idea to take on studying this sutra uh, written by our uh, Soto founder, Ehe Dogen. He wrote it when he was 40 years old. He had come back from meeting his teacher in China. He was well into his teaching in Japan. It was before uh, he went and founded his mountain monastery. So he actually wrote this in Kyoto, this sutra called Sansui Kyo, which means Sansui is mountains and waters, and Kyo is sutra. Sansui Kyo, the sutra of the mountains and the waters. So um, he, he was living in Kyoto, so it's not a, a sutra about a particular mountain, though Dogen did at some point move to the mountains and spent the rest of his life with the mountains and the waters. This is not so much a literal book about or a poem about a particular mountain. It is actually, according to Dogen and the sutra, the sutra, which means Buddha's teaching. That's what a sutra is. It's Buddha's teaching. He says the mountains and the waters are sutra. So it's not about them. They are the teaching of the Buddha. The mountains and the waters are sutra, are the teaching of the Buddha. 
the poem that in one of the poems that inspired him to write this sutra when he was 40 years old in 1240 <laughs> was a, a poem by a Chinese poet, Su Sui, or Su Shi, excuse me, that's called the verse of Keisei Sanshoku. And this is how this verse goes. And there's many translations of it in this book, but I'll read one of them. The murmuring brook is the Buddha's long, broad tongue. And is not the shapely mountain the body of purity? Through the night, I listen to 80,000 gatas. When dawn breaks, how will I explain it to the others? So gatha is a small verse. The murmuring brook is the Buddha's long, broad tongue. And is not the shapely mountain the body of purity? Through the night, I listen to 80,000 gatas. When dawn breaks, how will I explain it to the others? So this poem, this sutra, this words of the Buddha um, begins by basically saying the very same thing that that little poem says. It begins, these mountains and waters of the present are the expression of the old Buddhas. I do want to say something about um, the Mahayana nature of this sutra. When the Buddha first taught, of course, the teachings of the Buddha were the words that that particular person spoke in the years of his life while he was teaching in India. And then uh, after he died, the sutras or the teachings of the Buddha were the disciples remembering the words he had said. And for several hundred years, uh, chanting and reciting the words that the Buddha had said. And that is what we know as the Pali Canon. So those are kind of the literal teachings of the Buddha. But then the Mahayana movement, which came along in the ninth century, actually kind of expanded the sense of the Buddha's teaching. And the Mahayana, which our school is in that lineage, actually felt that, you know, the voice of the Buddha, and by that we mean one who dwells in present moment experience. That's what Buddha means, to be awake. So a Buddha is one who is silent, still, and awake. A Buddha is one who diligently gathers the mind and body in present open awareness. A Buddha is one who discovers anew, clarifies, and actualizes their deepest intention. This is what Buddha means when we're not talking about the person, the historical person, our teacher. So um, the Mahayana movement in the ninth century believed that the voice of Buddha was not just present in the sutras that Gautama uh, Siddhartha had spoken, but that it could be directly perceived. 
when we have the eye and the ears to hear it. It can be directly perceived at any time, at any place. We can hear the voice of Buddha. We can hear that which is actually happening in this very moment, which is of course distinct from what so often we do as humans is we listen to our own interior commentary a lot. And maybe you've noticed that in the first four periods of Zazen, most of us do. You know, rare is the person who could just sit down and immediately drop down. Maybe you can, lucky you. So one of the things that we're doing here as we are gathering the mind and heart is we're making this effort to just true ourselves up now. Now, now, that little voice is pretty much almost always in the past or the future. It's not here, unless it might be saying something like, you know, birdsong, birdsong. But even by the time it cognates or cognizes birdsong, that bird isn't singing anymore. It's the memory of birdsong. Right? Or we're thinking about the future. I was doing that a little bit. I'm sorry, I was thinking about the lecture. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I want to say that thing about how we're not going to talk anymore. So I, was, I wasn't necessarily, you know, in that moment, I was doing that. So here's the invitation over and over and over again, this moment, this moment, this moment. And Dogen is suggesting to us throughout this teaching that the mountains and the waters are a great support for us to practice this present moment awareness and that it they actually are expounding and speaking present moment awareness. So the invitation for these two days is I'll be bringing in some of the ancient words with some commentary by Shohaku Okumura, who is the person who put this edition together. And I cannot recommend it highly enough. Shohaku is a wonderful uh, translator and interpreter of Dogen. But also I've planned in to the afternoon, outdoor Zazen and Kinhin, two periods of Zazen and one period of Kinhin. Of course, if you don't want to be outside, you're welcome to sit inside. But again, I'm gonna invite us to extend this practice of attuning, attuning to the mountains and the waters as we're sitting and practicing with the mountains and the waters. Um, we, we, we stay in the Zendo usually in our school. In fact, we face the wall, beautiful practice. This is a little bit of a variation but of course we know that the ancient, ancient ancestors did a lot of zazen in the mountains and the waters. So we can do it too in our little humble temple here in the middle of town, but surrounded by our own mountains and waters. These mountains and waters of the present are the expression of the old Buddhas. So there's a couple of different ways we can um, turn these words and use them to support our understanding. And I wanna offer a couple of those. One of them is that um, mountains and waters of the present 
this mountain, this water, you know, one of our aspects of life is that we do have things that in any given moment, it does seem like, oh, this is actually a, a thing that I can see and I can name and I can apprehend. Mount, you know, Loma Prieta mountain, the one that has the airplane pole on it. So the planes don't hit it. Um, Pico Blanco, a little bit further down the coast. You know, I grew up around Pico Blanco, beautiful limestone mountain. Oh, it has a name. It has limestone on it. It's distinct from, say, the Ventana Double Cone. Um, Mount Humunham, which is the name of the Ama Mutsun, the traditional people of this area for one of the mountains to the north. I don't know what the English name is, but it's a sacred mountain in, in, in their uh, tradition. You can go up there, I understand. In fact, I found a really beautiful little uh, thing on the internet that describes a uh, ceremony that they had up there. Did I put it in here? Yeah, beautiful, beautiful mountain practice. Uh, the state that the peninsula open space created a, um, a space on the top of the sacred mountain where they can do ceremony and ritual. And for the first time in 200 years, there was a gathering. This was in 2017. Mount Umunhum, which means place of the hummingbird. And there's this beautiful writing on, 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 the, on the internet, on their website. So we have particular mountains and we love these particular mountains. We, we have particular rivers and we name them. The San Lorenzo River or bodies of water, the Pacific Ocean, Lake Tahoe, different from each other. Charlie, <laughs> me, Karen. <laughs> Michael, you know, we have names. So there is this quality to our mountains and waters where it does seem like it's a, a thing and it kind of maybe doesn't change so much over time. Like Tahoe has been there ever since I can remember. So has Pico Blanco, right? So has Charlie. But the other side of that is, as we know, everything changes every single moment there is no mountain that is a fixed set place mountains are eroding the squirrels and the animals are knocking rocks off the plant roots are pushing through and changing the mountains earthquakes wildfires change mountains the plate tectonics over great periods of time so mountains seem so solid and stable and unchanging, but actually they're constantly changing. And this is very evident with rivers and water, even more so. You know, if you sit and look at the river, it's, we call it the river, but it's, it's, it's new water every second. It's new water molecules that are flowing by. I might sit and look and see a ripple and go, there's a ripple. But what's a ripple? It's a response to a flow. And that's what we are too. We think we're these solid things that have these lives, and these identities. But the invitation of this teaching is that we too are just this constantly changing flow. So the mountains and the waters 
of the present at the same time are the expression of the old Buddhas, eternally ever-changing stream of beings who have made this effort to be still, silent, and awake. He talks about the two qualities of abiding and constantly walking. Jo Anjo, Anju, excuse me, Jo Anju, always abiding, and Jo Unpo, constantly walking. In fact, a little bit later in the sutra, uh, he says, um, mount, he says this a lot in the sutra, he uses this term, mountains are constantly at rest and constantly walking. So these are the two aspects of mountain, the abiding, Jo Anju nature at rest, and the Jo Unpo part of the nature constantly walking. He goes on to say, since the walking of the mountains should be like that of people, one ought not doubt that mountains walk simply because they do not appear to stride like humans. Just because it looks different doesn't mean they're not walking, Dogen is saying. Can we tune into this quality, this constantly walking in the mountains, in the water, in our own bodies? Our blood, the oxygen in our blood, the renewal of our systems, the process of our digestion, the evolution of our thoughts, the evolution of our emotional understanding, not fixed, not unchanging, constantly changing, and abiding, both, both movements. Just looking at the time there. And it's a good thing that everything is always changing. Sometimes we don't like it when things change. I know, I, I get sad sometimes when things change. I want them, oh, don't, I want it always to be this way. In fact, there's this great song by the Talking Heads. I was just remembering it because I had a visit from a friend with, with whom I sing. The song's called Heaven, and it's basically it's David Byrne and in all his dharma, you know, heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. That's heaven. Nothing changes. <laughs> the bar up in heaven, it plays my favorite song. Play it one more time. Play it all night long. You know, the band up in heaven, it plays my favorite tune. You know, there's a party up in heaven and everyone is there and everyone leaves at exactly the same time. And when this party's over, it starts again. It will not be any different. It will be exactly the same. Heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. I mean, I get shivers with that song because I think it's so brilliant because it touches on our, the sweetness of our nostalgia and how we don't want things to change and yet how ludicrous it is. Would we really wanna be at a party <laughs> that was always the same and where nothing ever happened? Probably not, and yet we think that's heaven. So good thing 
that the mountains walk. Dogen says uh, further on in the Sutra, part six, if walking had ever rested, the Buddhas and ancestors would never have appeared. Think about that. You know, if, if the Buddhas and ancestors hadn't moved on in, in, their, in, in their form and died and given birth to the next generation, then we wouldn't get to be here. We would just be some little zygote floating in the universe and they'd just get to live forever in their heaven where the band plays the same song over and over and over again. So if walking had ever rested, the Buddhas and ancestors would never have appeared. If walking were limited, the Buddha Dharma would never have reached us today. Stepping forward has never ceased. Stepping back has never ceased. Stepping forward does not oppose stepping back, nor does stepping back oppose stepping forward. This virtue is called the mountains flowing, the flowing mountains. Okay, I wanna just unpack that. And that's probably all we're gonna have time for. Thank goodness we have a little more time tomorrow. And I wanna open up the opportunity for a little bit of uh, questions or conversations. So again, if walking had ever rested, the Buddhas and ancestors would never have appeared. If walking were limited, the Buddha Dharma would never have reached us today. Now, stepping forward and stepping back, um, in the commentary, Shohaku explains that, and I, I love this explanation. This is a, uh, something we often struggle with in our lives, this impulse for, you know, stepping back would be when we feel like we need to reflect, we need to have some boundaries, we need to pull back. You know, there was a lot of that during the shutdown last year, a lot of stepping back, everybody in their homes, nobody going out, or sometimes maybe you just feel, oh, I need a break. I need to think about it. Stepping back. Stepping back is recommended in our tradition. It's called taking the backward step, especially if we're getting agitated and worked up about stuff or, or self-important, worked up about ourselves, right? Dogen says, you know, take the backward step and turn the light of awareness around. We're always encouraging this stepping back. And yet at the same time, then the bell rings and it's time to step forward to move out, to go into the world, to be in the marketplace, to be with our people, to be responding to the needs of the world. And this is wisdom and compassion. Always two wings in, 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 in Zen. You know, and some of us favor one, some of us favor the other. You know, the introverts report that they loved shut down because they didn't have to come up with any excuses why not to go to parties <laughs> and why not to go and do stuff and now they're kind of going oh god you know and then the extroverts were like oh get me out of here turn me loose you know i mean i hit the road the minute i could <laughs> still doing it get me out of here i want to move so um we favor one or we favor the other and yet here is dogan saying that both Stepping forward has never ceased. Stepping back has never ceased. They do not oppose one another. It's just this dance. 
It's actually something that he calls the, the, the heartbeat of the world later on in, in, the, in the poem, the circulation of life, this movement of moving from the out and then the in, out and then the in. Calls it a virtue, the mountains flowing, the flowing mountains. So um, we're going to talk a little bit, or I'm gonna talk a little bit about more about that concept of flowing tomorrow. Because another way that we can think about mountains and waters is that mountains could represent more of that side of the abiding, the thing that seems more solid, and the waters could be more the side of the flowing and the changing. Even though both of them have abiding and, and flowing in them, we can also think about it that way, right? And, and it's good that we have a, an abiding aspect, you know, it, it allows us to be functional in the world, to have a little bit of structure, to have a little bit of order, have a little bit of routine, right? It's very, it's grounding, it's helpful, it's good for the healthy ego, healthy egos need boundaries. When, when there's no boundaries at all, we're, you know, that's called psychosis, mm -hmm. right? So we do want to have some, a little bit of identity. It's nice to have role differentiation. Oh, the doan rings the bells. The Eno trains the new people. The Eno helps people sit down. I don't have to worry about that. Awesome. I just get to think about my Dharma talk. So good to have these distinctions, but we have to be careful that we don't just get caught there and think that's it. We also need to remember the flowing you know, it's, it's not very nice when we get attached to our roles. <laughs> Anybody who's done any extended practice knows we can get in a lot of trouble together if we take our roles too seriously. I'm the Eno and I said so, you know, or I'm the teacher and I know better. You know, danger, danger. So that's why it's so great that we have this practice where we get to make mistakes because then everybody gets humbled. Everybody gets humbled and that's a good a good thing not only is it a good thing but it's the way of the buddhas and ancestors as we're reminded by the opening chant of ehe koso hotsugan mon you know we're reminded that um confessing and repenting is the way. Quietly explore the farthest reaches of your causes and conditions, as this practice is the exact transmission of a verified Buddha. Repenting in this way, one never fails to receive profound help from all Buddhas and ancestors. By revealing and disclosing our lack of faith and practice before the Buddha, we melt away the root of transgressions by the power of our repentance. This is the pure and simple color of true practice, the true mind of faith, the true body of faith. So that's like the spirit with which we engage in this difficult negotiation, right? Between self and other form and emptiness. And that's part of the game here of Zen is creating an opportunity to notice these things, notice these edges, notice our mind, and then always with the bell to, to have the invitation to return, be silent, still, and awake. And in this case of this sheen, 
perhaps also opening our aperture to perceive the beings that are more than human. We're surrounded by plant beings here. There's animal beings, there's wind and temperature and sound. And not just, you know, the sounds of quote unquote nature, but the sounds of humans too, because humans were part of nature. So here, you know, we practice with the sounds of the bells, the clock tower in the church, we with the garbage trucks on Wednesday morning with the children when school's in session, with the mariachi when the mole festival is happening, you know, these different sounds of our of our of our community here. So um so much more that could be said. And it's 1150. And uh, it's oh my goodness, that's actually time for service. So there's not even time for talking. So we're just gonna chant service together and then have a nice hour break and we'll continue with this tomorrow. Beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless,